Thank you, Rosemary, uh, for reading from Acts chapter 22, the amazing story, which you're probably quite familiar with, the story of uh, Paul the Apostle on his journey to Damascus has that great conversion experience. Such a common story, is it, not just in church, but out in the world, many people still refer to Damascus Road experiences, those kinds of life-changing experiences that change everything for you. Um, we're continuing in that series that we've been looking at the past few weeks of uh, looking at characters in the Bible that God calls. God calls for special purposes. And uh, we looked at Isaiah, didn't we? We looked at Abraham uh, last week with Nick, and today we're looking at Paul the Apostle. So why don't we just bow our heads for a moment as we pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the Bible and the truth that you speak through it. Help us to see now, Lord, that you're speaking to us, not just to an ancient people, and that you're still calling men, women, children, adults, even today, across your world, uh, to come and be followers of you. So open up our ears to hear and our eyes to see precious things in your word this morning. In, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, sometimes when we do a series like this where you're looking at uh, sort of Bible superheroes like Paul and Abraham or Moses or Isaiah, sometimes we can kind of disassociate ourselves from it a little bit because we think, well, those, those people in the Bible, they are like a different level of kind of believer or Christian than just everyday me and you. And we think, well, I'm probably not going to be a Paul the Apostle going around the Mediterranean converting Roman empires and things like that. I'm probably not going to be like Abraham who founds a whole nation and has many descendants following him. Uh, and the reality is most of us won't be called to do those kinds of things, will we? Just like I said earlier, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I was called to be Indiana Jones, but let's face it, there's only one. <laughs> And maybe some of you are sitting here this morning and we could ask ourselves that kind of question. Well, if God calls people in the Bible to these amazing things, um, what about me? What's he called me to? And sometimes we can think, um, what is God's calling in our lives? Was I called, have I ended up doing and being and living the kind of life that God planned for me? Sometimes we can get quite worried about those kinds of questions. Have I followed the path God wanted for me? Am I doing the job or in the life uh, situation that God called me to? Well, although we're going to be looking at Paul the Apostle's life, that was extraordinary, we're also going to see that God's calling is the same for Paul as it is for us here today. No matter what your life is, no matter what your job is, no matter whether you're retired, in work, whether you are, have a family, whether you're single, whether whatever situation you're in, the same calling upon Paul's life is the same calling on our own. So let's just look at that for a moment, because Paul is, um, has a massive change of life in this story, doesn't he? He's um, a Jewish scholar, he's a Pharisee, 
which is a sort of super religious person, think kind of like a, a monk today. Uh, and he's been, had the best religious education and he's very zealous uh, for his faith and for God. Um, and he's actually so zealous for his faith that he's um, concerned about putting a stop to uh, what he considers um, a heresy, these people that are following Jesus. And he's on the road to Damascus, going on his way to find Christians to put them in jail. And he has a meeting with Jesus. An incredible vision. And his life is completely changed. And eventually Jesus uses Paul to bring the good news to, of Jesus to the whole of the Roman Empire. And changes, which leads to eventually the changing of uh, a whole empire for Christ. But let's just look for a moment what his calling actually is. Okay? We're going to skip through halfway through the story and we're going to skip to verse 14. So if you've got a Bible in front of you, maybe just open it up or maybe it'll be on the screen. What does God actually call Paul to do? Verse 14. Then he said, uh, this is Ananias, the man who was sent to uh, um, give Paul his mission, his calling. Then he said, Ananias said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one, that's Jesus, and to hear words from his mouth. That's the road to Damascus, yeah? But then look at verse 15. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. Do you see that, verse 15? Paul's calling is to be Jesus' witness to all people of what he has seen and heard. That's it. That's Paul's primary calling, is to be a witness to what he knows about Jesus. Yes, that meant he went off on all sorts of adventures and became an apostle and all of those sorts of things. But at heart, the calling upon Paul's life is to simply share with others what Jesus has what he has seen Jesus do and heard him say. Now, when you think about that, that could pretty much be the calling on all of our lives, isn't it? No matter what situation of life you're in, God could say to us the same thing. You will be my witness in your life, in your workplace, in your family, in your neighborhood of what you have seen and heard of Jesus. I want to, I find that both, obviously that there's some scary things about that kind of calling, but it's also quite refreshing in the sense that sometimes we can get too bound up with, am I, have I got the right job that God has called me to? Have I got the right family? Have I got the right uh, life and place that I live and everything? Those things are actually secondary. God might call us to all sorts of things and lead us on all kinds of adventures, but the point is, no matter what your circumstances are or is, God's calling at heart is to just bear witness to Jesus. And that's really all Paul does. Wherever he goes, he starts bearing witness to the truth of Jesus and incredible things start to happen in his life. In fact, whole nations and as we've seen, empires are changed because of what Paul does, just bears 
witness to Jesus. Well, what is it, though, that Paul has seen and heard? What is it that Paul has seen and heard? Well, firstly, I'm just going to look at three brief things. What has he seen and heard? Firstly, he's seen Jesus. That's an obvious one, isn't it? He's on the road to Damascus. A blinding light shines and he hears and sees from the Lord. He encounters Jesus. Now, what I find funny about this, of course, is because Paul, it says that he himself said that he was zealous for God. In his whole life, from his childhood upwards, he has been zealous for God. He has been the most religious person you could find. And yet when he encounters God, the Lord, look at what he says in verse eight. Who are you, Lord? Isn't that incredible? If you had asked Paul a day before that day, do you know who God is? He would say, yeah, I know who God is. I've been following him my whole life. I've been zealous for God. I've followed his commandments. I've obeyed his rules. I've done everything I was told to do because of God. And then when he meets him, he's, who are you? Who are you? So, in other words, if we're going to be witnesses to Jesus in the world, it is vital that we've actually met him. It's vital that we've actually met him. Of course, I'm not saying many, many of us may not have actually seen him like Paul did, but we've all got to have an encounter with Jesus in our hearts. There's a big, big difference. You could be the most religious person in the world, and that was Paul, and still not know the Lord. Jesus says that. He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things in your name? And he will say, away from me, you evildoer. I never knew you. Okay, so if we're to fulfill the calling of God on our lives, the first and most important question is, do you know Jesus? Can you witness to him and what he's done? So that's Paul. Secondly, he had an, firstly, he had an encounter with Jesus. Secondly, Paul finally understood grace. Okay, he finally understood grace. Let's just think about Paul's life for a moment before he was saved. Paul's view of God as a Pharisee would have been something like this. God is a righteous God. He's holy. And he demands righteousness of his people. And because he demands righteousness of his people, uh, when we become righteous, God's blessings and favor will flow to his people if they are obedient and righteous. Do you see the logic? If we follow God's law and his commands, God will have favor with us and bless us. That was Paul's kind of mentality. Because he's a righteous God, he will bless righteous people. And so for Paul, that meant that he would dedicate his whole life to his own holiness and righteousness, but also he was very concerned about the righteousness of the Israelites and the Jewish people. So he would go round making sure and challenging everyone to obey the law. And when he found pockets of people that weren't, he would commit himself to making sure they do. So, of course, when he discovers that many Jewish people are starting to follow Jesus, he considers it a righteous and good thing to go and stamp it out. 
Because if the people don't follow God and his commandments and follow things like Jesus and other things, then God's favour won't be upon Israel anymore. And in fact, the, Roman, the fact that the Romans occupy Israel is a sign that God's people have not been faithful. So for Paul, he's on a mission of righteousness. Do you see that? But, but, problem. Because that's his view of God, that God blesses and gives favour to righteous people, he's driven not by a love of God, but by a fear of him. He's not driven by a heart-warmed relationship with God, more about the rewards and punishments that come from not obeying him. Do you see the difference? It's what the Bible calls works versus faith. And it's a big problem because we can see quite clearly now that it led Paul to be a violent man, a hateful and angry man. Paul says that himself of his own testimony. He says, I discovered that I was actually a violent and angry man. And I don't know if you've noticed around the world today Religious zeal, or even not religious zeal, passion for politics or causes or issues are often not driven by love, but by a zeal for righteousness or self-righteousness. We see it all the time on social media, don't we? People lobbing hand grenades at each other because I'm right and you're wrong. And if everyone else felt like and thought like I did, the world would be a better place. Not likely because you're a violent and angry person, concerned of your own righteousness. Do you see the difference? So Paul had to understand grace. He had to understand that God is not like that at all. Imagine for a moment you open your post um, tomorrow morning and you, you discover a really uh, fancy-looking envelope with sort of gilded letters and it's addressed to you and you open it up and there's a really nice invitation card on it. I don't know, from somewhere like Buckingham Palace or something, it's got a royal stamp on it and you start reading it and you're really excited, what's this? And you see that it's an invitation to go to Buckingham Palace for some garden party or some uh, 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 experience to meet with royalty and all the rest of it, with all the most important people of the land. And you're really excited, oh my goodness, I've been invited me, you know, and it, then it's, you read a little lower down, you read that it says, but there is a very strict dress code, okay, it's black tie or dresses or whatever, but more than that, you know, um, you've got to be, tr your shoes have to be just right, uh, your makeup has to be just right, if you, you need a tiara, you need um, medals of honour to attend it, uh, all sorts of things, totally up to scratch and up to standard because once you turn up to Buckingham Palace, if it's not absolutely bang on what you're wearing, you will get turned away. Can you picture that? I don't, it's a ridiculous scenario, isn't it? But I'm trying to build a story here in your mind. So you go away and go, gulp. I don't have any of that stuff. I've got a tracksuit in the cupboard, but uh, I haven't polished my shoes in a while and I don't have medals and I don't have a tiara and I... 
you know, so you, you, know, you look at the day, it's only two months away, so you start trying to collect some of these things, but your anxiety grows because, uh, you know, it's a fake medal or whatever, and your anxiety grows so much that you go, I just, I, I can't, I, I'm, I'm not going, I'm not going. And you tear up the image, too stressed. The demands are too high. I'm not going, I'm going to get turned away. I'm going to be rejected. But you've spent a lot of time also trying to get it all together. And then after you've ripped up the invitation, you suddenly notice on the back of the invitation, it says RSVP and you will be sent everything you need. Right? Imagine that. Imagine the relief where like, I didn't need to stress and be anxious. They were going to send me exactly what I needed. Now, Paul the Apostle has spent his entire life trying to be dressed correctly for God and get everyone else dressed correctly. And he is filled with anxiety, anger, fear, stress. He's doing all sorts of things to get everyone ready. And then Jesus shows up and he says, I'll make you ready. I will clothe you with my righteousness. He didn't need to do any of that, really. Then you will love me. Then you will understand grace. Then heaven's doors will open to you. Then you will love me and I will love you. I will make you ready. I think that's a wonderful gospel, isn't it? And Paul then becomes obsessed with grace, not works. Obsessed. Let me read to you something that he writes, Paul the Apostle, when he writes to some Philippian Christians. He says this, whatever were gains to me, all his religious background, all his efforts, all his ill, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them, all that stuff that he, he did, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Do you see how he now understands grace? He then goes on to say in Ephesians, for it is grace, it is by grace that I have been saved through faith. And this is not from ourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. What a change. And so now he can go about witnessing to what he's seen and heard. He's encountered Jesus. He now understands the gospel. And it is good news for everyone who's been under a yoke of oppression, of works and tiredness and all the rest of it. You can be made fit for heaven through Jesus Christ. Finally then, he has seen Jesus. He understands grace. And finally, he understands humility as well. Because he now, he's now gone from a situation, see, if you were Paul, 
and you had finally discovered you had been not just doing the wrong thing, but you had been persecuting the people who had been doing the right thing. Yeah? He had been putting into jail Christians, and he'd even been putting them to death. Do you remember Stephen, the martyr, who was witnessing to Jesus? And Paul was there when they stoned him, and he, he was the one who gave the nod. Stone him. And now he is being used by Jesus to win others for Christ. Isn't that awesome? Because Paul would be like, okay, I got it wrong. Please just have mercy on me. I don't expect anything from you now, Lord. Just have mercy. And Jesus says, I'll have mercy on you. But I want to use you. I've got great things for you. I'm not going to hold that past against you. I'm going to use you for great things. And God uses Paul's past. He uses his Bible knowledge. He uses the fact that he understands the Jews. He uses the fact that he now understands Gentiles. He uses everything about Paul now for good. So when Paul gets to the end of his life, it is very unlikely that he will say, didn't I do a good job? All my intellect, all my education, all my learning, wow, look what I've done. Of course he wouldn't. In fact, Paul goes on to say, there's nothing I can boast about myself. Yes, he was clever. Yes, he was gifted. Yes, he was a Roman citizen. Yes, he was all these amazing things. But he would say, I've got no boast other than Jesus. That's it. Because if it was down to me, I would have killed a bunch of the Christians, not led them to Jesus. Now, when you've got those three things in your life, you're ready to bear witness to Jesus. If some of those things aren't right in place, if you've got pride, religious pride, or if you're more zealous for God rather than love him, if you think more highly of yourself than you ought, you will not bear the fruit for God or be able to follow his calling as you should. It's a challenge for all of us because all those things do exist in me. They're a battle. They're a battle. But let us look for those Damascus Road experiences in our lives to truly see Jesus to truly understand his grace and then to live humble lives walking with our God. Let's pray.